You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens. Hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 199 of Canadians Connection, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? Are you are you surviving? Uh, should, should I answer that honestly? <laughs> I mean, what an amazing past couple of days um, for us, uh, the Rocket Sports team, for the Montreal Canadiens, for the the hockey world in general. Uh, the twenty twenty two NHL entry draft in Montreal. What a an amazing show it was. Uh, as I as I always say, uh, the draft is one of the best events, uh, best special events on the hockey calendar. And uh, it was amazing to be as involved as we were. And and listen, we've been on this podcast, we've been leading up to it for uh, weeks. Um, and uh, now uh, it's happened. We got to experience it. And, and, and now uh, in this podcast, we get to tell you what happened. Yep, there was no, uh, there was never going to be enough preparation for what went down in the past couple of days <laughs> out of the draft. No shortage of drama, and uh, we're we're definitely going to give you the whole rundown of everything throughout this episode. So to start things off here in the first segment, we have an interesting headline followed by our roster news, our prospect report, and then a little bit of news from around the league. In segment two, that's when we'll get into all the things that happened at the draft. We'll have some audio from some of the players and Ken Hughes. And then in segment three, that's uh, when we will have our Canadians connection question of the week. What was the most memorable moment of the 2022 NHL entry draft? And Rick, for those uh, who are interested in uh, interacting with us, what would be the best way to do so? You know, there's, we give you all kinds of ways. Uh, Michael will tell you about the, our social media tags. Um, you can send us an email at info at allhabs.net. Most directly, you can text us 24 hours a day. Uh, and lots have been doing so at 585-3ROCKET. And make sure to give us a follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, visit the website canadiansconnection.com. 
So our interesting headline from this past week, well, it's uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs fans have been voted most annoying and most delusional. So congratulations, Leaf fans. You've done it. Nice to see you guys win something at this time of year. You know, in this, as we get going, as we get warmed up, uh, we love to give you a bit of a headline that you may have missed in the news. And this this week, there was lots of news, so you may have missed this one. We just thought it was humorous, and um, you know, we we love to to tease our uh, our uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Uh, there was a poll put out, and and it had uh, I believe it was seven thousand or so uh, responses. Uh, Two surveys done. One was asking uh, NHL fans who has the most annoying fan base, uh, and Toronto Maple Leafs fans won that hands down, absolutely hands down. Um, and uh, the next one, who has the most delusional fan base? Um, and again, Leafs fans are right there, um, you know, and, and that probably has something to do with the fact that. Um, you know, the, the first round exit thing has been uh, uh, kind of a staple uh, for, for them to endure. Um, as far as delusional, uh, Oilers fans were the runner up in that category. Well, uh, like like you said, this is all in good spirits. Uh, good obviously, fun. some some friendly chirping going on, and uh, I love my Leaf fans. Uh, you know, please please don't be offended by this at <laughs> all. <laughs> so check out our Habs Notepad and Habs headlines postings appearing regularly at allhabs.net. The NHL released its 2022-23 regular season schedule for all 32 teams, including the Canadians. So Montreal's first game will be at home against Toronto on October 12th, and the season finale will be against Boston on April the 13th. The way it should be against the Canadians, two um, longest, um, probably most bitter rivals, um, uh, the Leafs and Boston, beginning and ending the season, and uh, so the it's not that far away now. That. Um, just uh, uh, three months away that uh, the Canadians will open the season at home uh, Wednesday, October 12th against the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Montreal Canadiens announced the addition of four new team ambassadors. These include Guy Carboneau, Vincent Damphouse, Patrice Brisebois, and Chris Nyland. Uh, the ambassadors actually met with some of the top prospects at the NHL draft. Uh, there was a great photo with them, uh, along with Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, Slavkovsky. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing that, and uh, nice of them to make an appearance there. So the the Canadians ambassadors uh, for several years now have been Yvonne Cornway and Ray Janoul. Uh Their their lineup has bolstered a, a little bit with uh, Carboneau, Danfus, uh, Brisebois, and Knuckles Nyland. Um, nice to have them in an ambassadorial ca- uh, capacity. Um, sometimes they, they attend uh, fan events. Uh, sometimes they go in and give inspirational uh, words to the, to the team. Um, really nice way of involving those um, Canadians legends uh, um, in the team. And, uh, well, like I just mentioned, they took a picture uh, with the top prospects. And, well, the Canadians at the draft selected their top prospect. First overall, Uri Slavkovsky. Um, this this was a bit of a surprise to, I think, most fans and uh, myself. I'll leave most of my re- reaction for segment two. We'll uh, take a deep dive on that uh, in segment two. 
Yeah, we'll talk about all things uh, draft uh, in our big topic segment, um, including Slavkovsky and uh, the other Canadians' uh, draft picks. There was a lot of them. Um, I I think that um, you know th- th- there'll be lots of fans who say, "Oh, I knew, I knew." I, I but this was this was a, a coin toss uh, right up until the last minute. Um, we'll t- we'll hear from. Um, uh, uh, Hughes later and, and Bob Roth and LaPointe, uh, this, and it was a debate. It was a full out debate, uh, amongst, uh, the Canadians, uh, uh, hockey ops, uh, folks. Uh, and that went on till Thursday morning. Um, so it was, it was close. Um, and, uh, we, we've, we talked about that. Um, we talked about how close it was in the, the weeks leading up to this, um, but the Canadians um, finally made their choice, making um, Slavkovsky uh, their first overall pick, and and uh, and now we'll see how how that uh, how that goes. And uh, that was not the only big headline to come out uh, from that first round of the draft. The Montreal Canadiens traded defenseman Alexander Romanov to the New York Islanders. And they would eventually go on to acquire Kirby Dock from the Chicago Blackhawks. So the two different trades that went down, Romanov and a fourth-round pick to the Islanders in exchange for the 13th overall draft pick this year. And then Montreal went and flipped that 13th overall pick along with a third-rounder to the Chicago Blackhawks to bring in Kirby Dock. And that, to me, this, this had to be the biggest surprise of the draft. Uh, when Batman uh, went up to announce a trade involving Montreal, uh, I thought it, he was done after announcing Romanov uh, for the first round pick. But adding on that second trade to bring in Kirby Doc, I was in shock and basically speechless until the 26th pick. It was... Um... It's always exciting when Batman walks up and says, we have a trade to announce. Uh, and you hear, a, you know, the buzz uh, goes through the arena. Um, but this was, uh, he had two trades to announce, as it turned out, uh, both involving the, the Montreal Canadiens. And that came, um, you know, after the third pick, I guess, uh, rather early in the draft. Um, Alexander Romanov has become... Remember, Alexander Romanov was a, a bit of a surprise um, second pick, second round pick. Trevor Timmons said, uh, you know, uh, uh, he was kind of an off the board pick, but uh, that that uh, the Canadians wanted him. They scouted him heavily. They thought he could be um, what he turned out to be. Uh, Tr- uh, Timmons and his crew were absolutely right on on Romanov. Um, and they made him a second round pick way ahead of, of, of where others had ranked him in his draft here. Um, and, and it's such a, 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 an interesting uh, path for, for Romanov, who um, remember him uh, joining the Canadians thought so highly of him that he joined the bubble playoffs when he was ineligible to play. Uh, and burning a year there, um, just for him to get that experience with the team, and then this past year, no one made bigger strides uh, in their game than Alexander Romanov and and his uh, Luke Richardson's work with him. Um, and by the end of the the uh, the season, the 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 heavy minutes that he was getting, um, and not not looking terribly out of place, so much so 
that let's not forget that it was Romanov who won the Jacques Beauchamp Molson Trophy for um, the most unheralded um, uh, player who who played a dominant role during the season. Um, he he, things were. I think many Canadians fans were thinking, "Wow, okay, we see we see why he chose uh, he was chosen, and now he's going to be a fixture in uh, in the Canadians lineup." And that's why, as you said, the um, the second part of the trade was such a big surprise. Yeah, I, I I felt like coming into this draft, all the buzz was around, all right, what's going to happen with Petrie? What's going to happen with Josh Anderson? Maybe even Dvorak, Jake Allen, who knows? But Romanov was not somebody on my radar for a trade. And yeah, I, I'm still very surprised that they went ahead with this. Uh, uh, I don't know how that's going to affect their defense going forward because they don't have too many uh, younger guys that are currently NHL ready. And we'll, we'll definitely take another deep dive in this in segment two, but mm-hmm. uh, very surprised by that. And even more surprised that uh, they went and flipped out uh, that 13th overall to bring in uh, Kirby doc, uh, former uh, third overall pick by Chicago. Hasn't really lived up to what he was supposed to be quite yet. And uh, I'm a little bit concerned. This uh, this isn't uh, this isn't uh, Montreal running away with an amazing trade. This is this is risky. It is. It is. It's um, they're rolling the dice um, on their first uh, first overall pick. They're rolling the dice on uh, this trade, um, and uh, things have to fall into place for this to be uh, a, a draft day that will be applauded. Five years from now, but as you said, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll go a little deeper into that uh, in our big topic segment. So now's a good time to take our Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. The Laval Rocket have re-signed forward Danik Martell to a one-year, one-way AHL contract. Uh, Martell is a smallish, gritty forward. He put up 17 goals this past season. Martell um, likes to think of himself as a leader in the room. He's he's th- this is a a, a one-year, one-way AHL contract. He's not a he's not going to be the kind of player who's going to be called up. Um, uh, he, he, the difficulty here is he takes up a lot of room on the ice. He's, his ego does and, and, uh, in the locker room too. And is not one of those guys. He, he co-led the, um, the AHL, the, not even Laval, but the AHL in penalty minutes in the playoffs, which is, uh, not something you, you like to see for, for a veteran player, especially one who is supposed to be acting as a role model. This, this is an unfortunate signing. And, um, you know, we talked about how uh, Laval has to be uh, a completely changed roster next year to make room to make sure that uh, all of the influx of prospects will have a place in the lineup, uh, will have ice time, and will have opportunities to play on special teams. Um, this is, this is uh, concerning, I would say. And uh, the Laval Rocket re-signed another veteran forward in uh, Brandon Gignac. 
Uh, he's going to be on a two-year one-way AHL contract. Um, yeah, they certainly uh, want to keep around a lot of the vets that they had this year. I'm curious how their final roster is going to look with uh, trying to bring in some younger players. And this this guy is uh, an in-betweener. Uh, he's he's uh, in between the ECHL and um, and AHL. Um, he you know prior to coming to the Laval Rocket. Uh, he had played 35 games with the Jacksonville Iceman in the ECHL. Um, and again, um, it's, it's, it's difficult to see what the plan is here uh, when uh, Laval is constantly signing these marginal forwards, um, veteran forwards who are going to take up prospect slots. Um, we, we remember that... that um, the Montreal Canadiens uh, have been one of the worst teams as far as developing their prospects. Part of that has had to do with uh, the NHL coaches um, and um, and and the kind of of uh, uh, you know their 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 difficulty in dealing with uh, prospects. Uh, but the other part of it is is n- not creating room for them uh, on their AHL squad and and. Uh, Okay, I think we've had enough of, of these kinds of signings. We we uh, we just don't want to see many more. The Canadians' annual development camp will be held July tenth to thirteenth at the Bell Sports Complex in Brassard. Uh, they've not put out a ton of information on this. Uh, I think if we want to be safe, we will probably see the prospects that we drafted in the past couple of days at this, as well as some of uh, the better high-end uh, prospects that Montreal currently has. Uh, do you know a whole lot more about this, Rick? There didn't seem to be much. <laughs> well, it's uh, development camp is, is something that we've focused on um, oh, in the dozen so or so years uh, that we've been doing this. And, and it is um, an event where you can get glean a lot of information about uh, prospects, of course, the the draftees, those those who have just been drafted, uh, most of them will, will be there, and they're already in Montreal, so that's easy enough. And then um, the the prospects uh, will also be there, as well as some um, general in, invitees, uh, players who maybe uh, went undrafted. Um, but we're still on the Canadians list that they might like to uh, have to fill out the group. Uh, first day, that, that should be Sunday again. Uh, um, surprisingly, the Canadians have, have put out uh, almost nothing publicly, but the first day on Sunday, uh, July 10th, should be the medicals and on-ice testing, and then from there it will be um, uh, each day there will be drills. Uh, this is all happening at the Bell Sports Complex in Broussard. Um, there will be drills, there will be scrimmages, and, um, and it'll, for many Canadians fans, uh, it'll be their oppor- first opportunity to see uh, these prospects up close. So um, it's, it's, w- w- that's the information we have now, which is very little. Um, but in our experience, this will be an important event. It's something that we'll be covering at All Habs Hockey Magazine. Uh, you're, you're, you're also going to uh, uh, hear about it on the Press Zone podcast uh, on Tuesday. And uh, the next week, we'll have uh, a complete breakdown of, of what happened. Yeah, so we'll have you covered there. Uh, and uh, 
I guess our final note on our Habs prospect report, the Laval Rocket have announced on Wednesday the appointment of Simon Payet as the equipment manager. Uh, Payet has been serving as the assistant equipment manager with the Laval Rocket since 2020. So uh, congratulations to him, and uh, it's nice to see him moving up in the role. It is. Uh, congratulations to Simone, um, who's been in the role um, and under the guidance um, of Eric Levesque. Eric is has been with um, the AHL affiliate since the Hamilton Bulldogs days. From Hamilton, he went to St. John's and now uh, back to Laval um, and has put in a lot of hours as the head equipment manager. Uh, the information is very sketchy as far as where he's going or what's happening with him. Uh, Eric has been wonderful to us, uh, and, uh, and we, we wish him well in, in whatever, uh, his future brings. Be sure to read all the content at ahl.report and listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone. Last week's podcast, uh, featured, uh, player and coaching ca- changes in the AHL. So some hockey news from around the league. Uh, well, you may have seen uh, Thursday at uh, the draft, Avalanche GM Joe Sackick was named the Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year. Uh, like I said, it was announced right in the middle of the draft. Uh, he seemed like the popular choice for this award. Uh, Sackick put together the Stanley Cup winning team uh, with Colorado, and uh, Colorado seems like they'll be serious cup contenders for many years going forward. Uh, did anybody have a better trade deadline? The the additions he made, um, and 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 not to say that's the only thing he did. He he built uh, the club uh, the last uh, few years, uh, but uh, the additions he made at the trade deadline, including Arturi Lekkinen, um, were absolutely the right ones to make. Uh, Cogliano, another one, um, and uh, uh, he did an amazing job, and and. Uh, um, I, I couldn't think of, of uh, another general manager who deserved it more than Joe Sackick. And, and he spoke very, very nice and was treated warmly. Of course, um, the, the Montreal, the Quebec crowd, remember um, his, his playing days from the Nordique. And, and uh, it, was, it was great to, great to see him there um, and a very deserved award winner. Well, many general managers at uh, the draft and earlier in the week were quite busy, as well as uh, Joe Sackick. I have a number of trades that I'll uh, go through here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Nashville acquire Ryan McDonough in exchange for Philip Myers and forward uh, Grant Mish- Mismash. Um, that's, uh, I guess, kind of a salary dump for the Tampa Bay. Sure, and and Brisbane is is an expert at this. Um, and and it's tough to give up a, a prospect to a prospect like uh, Ryan McDonough. A prospect. It's tough to give up a player like Ryan McDonough for a couple of prospects as they did. Uh, Philippe Myers has never panned out um, when he was with Philadelphia and 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 then in Nashville. Um, but Breezeball said he wants to work with him and and improve his skating and and. Uh, uh, but this was this was a way of of managing their their cap, um, which he has done so effectively in the past. Ryan McDonough, of course, there's a Canadians connection there, and and, and one that still hurts. Um, and the trade um, uh, that that sent him, Gauthier engineered it. Uh, that's that uh, sent him before the Canadians had a chance to a, a brilliant pick, uh, a draft pick, uh, but. Uh, 
sent to the Rangers for Scotty Gomez. That was that was tough. I, I did see a Scotty uh, Gomez Canadians jersey at the draft. Nice. So that, that's nice. a nice little one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sakic, uh, his biggest move of the past week uh, was he acquired Alexander Georgiev from the New York Rangers in exchange for a third-round pick, a fifth-round pick in uh, 2022, and a third-round pick in uh, 2023. A nice piece of business there. Georgiev, um, you know, behind Shesterkin, not going anywhere. Uh, but is, uh, you know, he could be uh, that goalie. And, and now with Francouz, we'll, we'll get a, um, we'll be a 1A, 1B um, in in Colorado. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, we're going to see a lot of goal. There's, there's quite a few teams who need goalies. Uh, so this was kind of the start of of the goalie rotation, um, and uh, you know the question for the Montreal Canadiens or the connection there is what is this going to do uh, with what are the Canadians going to do with Jake Allen? Um, we heard that Kent Hughes has been getting a lot of calls uh, for Jake Allen. We saw um, uh, Kent Hughes talking um, a fair bit at the draft with uh, Jake Allen's um, uh, agent. Uh, are the Canadians going to be comfortable if Carey Price is able to come back uh, and have a full season with Price and Montembeau? Um, but we're going to see a fair bit of, and, and we did see after this, a fair bit of uh, the goalie rotation start. Um, but uh, again, it was, it was Sakic leading that. Georgiev was somebody I was hoping Montreal might inquire upon because of his uh, starter potential he's still pretty young so uh, it stings a little bit to see him end up in Colorado but uh, good move uh, by Sakic I think that's a really nice fit Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Flyers prospect Ivan Fedotov has been arrested for uh, draft evasion Uh, last report I saw anyways was he was sent to a military base in Russia Uh, this is a bit of a tough one based on what's going on in the world yeah, it sure is, and and uh, you know they were upset. I think he still has a year left on his um, Red Army contract, and and um, and and so you know there this this is um, had a, a rather chilling effect on uh, on the draft, um, and uh, whether teams would be willing to to. Uh, uh, add Russian prospects. Um, you saw Kiprasov uh, hightail it out of out of Russia, uh, and nobody wants to talk about you know how he got out or where he is, and and wisely so. Uh, this this kind of uh, was was uh, a topic that um, was happening uh, during draft week, but but nobody wanted to really talk about. Dallas Stars uh, defenseman John Klingberg will not be re-signed. He'll be heading to uh, unrestricted free agency. Uh, Klingberg has, uh, well, a lot of Habs fans have been hoping that the Habs would go after Klingberg. Uh, So this is kind of an interesting one to see. Klingberg is probably going to demand a pretty hefty contract. And the other uh, Canadian's connection to this is, uh, well, Jeff Petrie, who's been on the trade block for a while. Maybe uh, Dallas has some interest in taking on Petrie to replace John Klingberg's role on the team. Yeah, that would be, uh, there's the Canadian's connection there, um, that Petrie has been 
uh, linked to the Red Wings. He has been linked to the Stars, but it was always predicated uh, with respect to Dallas that uh, that uh, Klingberg wouldn't return. And there were some mixed messages um, about whether that was going to happen or whether it wasn't. We now have a definitive um, uh, answer, and that is that Klingberg will not return uh, and is going to pursue free agency. And and yeah, as you said, uh, at the contract level, that uh, the Montreal Canadiens are not going to be in those sweepstakes. Uh, but the the part here is is Jeff Petrie. Um, you know, as as you referred to earlier, uh, the Canadians went into the draft. Um, with with uh, a lot of assets, um, draft assets, but also players that they could have moved. Uh, the fact that Petrie wasn't moved at the draft uh, is unfortunate. Uh, there's a missed opportunity there, um, as with Dvorak, as with Josh Anderson. Um, but um, uh, now, um, you know, this is, this is something that uh, Kent Hughes is committed to get done and must get done. Um, as free agency opens. Ottawa Senators have acquired Alex Debrinkit from uh, the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a first, a second, and a third round pick. I I, I do like this trade for Ottawa, and uh, I'm a little bit confused about the direction that Chicago is going to be heading in. They have a direction, um, and they're sticking to it. And uh, as you said, I'm not sure that we any of us understands it, um, but they are committed to it, and they're they're doing it. And uh, so, good good luck to them. And and I guess what has to be admired here is that they went into the draft without a first round pick. They ended the draft with three first round picks. Um, So, full credit to them. Full credit to them there. Um, Alex DeBrincat again is one of those, one of those players who uh, it hurts to to say his name. It hurts. Um, Mark Bergevin. Um, we know that the Sergachev uh, Duran trade was his worst and 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 really hurt the the uh, franchise. Uh, his second worst trade was Andrew Shaw. Um, and there's no question about that. The fact that the Canadians in, in 2016 traded away two, two, uh, draft picks that Trevor Timmons has declared had on his list and were available, Alex DeBrincat and Samuel Girard for, uh, uh, Andrew Shaw, um, criminal, um, by, by Mark Bergevin. And one of the reasons, um, you know, he wasn't, wasn't very successful, um, the fact that those two players could be with uh, the Canadians right now, uh, draft uh, draft decisions have major consequences and and consequences for years and years and years. Um, so this one hurts. Great for the Senators. Great for Pierre Dorian. Um, this was a, a deal that was um, apparently negotiated. Uh, outside of, of one of Montreal's oldest and, and uh, uh, most beloved steakhouses, Gibby's, uh, the two parties uh, saw each other having dinner. Uh, they, they went outside, they had a little discussion, uh, made this, made the, uh, created this deal, and uh, um, this, this, this is a great, great story surrounding this. I've been to Gibby's a few times. It's, uh, uh, it's it's a landmark in, in Montreal. And uh, Ottawa also made another move. They 
placed Colin White on unconditional waivers. So he's going to be bought out. Um, Colin White, uh, well, formerly his agent was Kent Hughes. Uh, there's been some rumors that maybe Kent Hughes has some interest in bringing in a Colin White. I'm not sure where the fit is there, to be honest. Yeah, um, Hughes has a, has a high opinion of him uh, and, and I guess professes to have some knowledge uh, about him, having been his agent at Cortex. Um, and there was some, some outreach to try and, and uh, acquire Colin White at the uh, trade deadline. That didn't happen. Um, and now, uh, you know, placed on unconditional waivers, will be bought out. And, um, and I, I, I guess the Canadians uh, would, would want to bring him in, but not with, I mean, let's remember um, the number of forwards that the Canadians have uh, for next year. So uh, it's not going to happen without getting rid of uh, a Hoffman or a Dvorak or an Anderson. Um, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's contract issues there too. Um, Colin White seems to be a, a, a nice guy, uh, a good guy, um, a, a guy that's probably, you know, uh, decent in the, in the room, uh, but just hasn't lived up to his expectations. Yeah, a bit of a reclamation project uh, for whoever ends up taking him. I can't imagine that uh, he'd be expecting a ton of salary, but uh, like you said, uh, a lot of guys really do like him in the room. Uh, whenever you see those silly interviews of, oh, you know, who who would you bring on the amazing race with you or who would you go camping with? A lot of senators who played with Colin White would often bring up his name. So funny character, but uh, unfortunately uh, he was on a bad contract. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. And uh, to end off our uh, segment here, uh, unfortunately, we lost two members of the hockey community this past week, uh, former NHL defenseman uh, Brian Marchment and uh, Jean-Guy Gendrone, who uh, played 863 NHL games. So condolences to their families. Uh, and uh, You never like to see that happen. Uh, very, very uh, sad, and and yes, absolutely. Uh, condolences to uh, both sets of families. Uh, Jean Guy Jeanron, uh, a former Montreal Canadian, played forty three games uh, back in the nineteen sixty sixty one season, um, and uh, Brian Marchman, just fifty three years old, um, a, a member of the San Jose Scouts, uh, San Jose Sharks uh, scouting staff, and and uh, was in Montreal for the draft uh, and uh, unfortunately passed away that that's uh, that's quite tragic um so again uh, condolences uh, to the families so that will be all for segment one uh, coming up is our big topic segment we'll uh, take a deep dive into the draft stay with us this is canadians connection on rocket sports radio the action never ends at DraftKings sportsbook especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. 
you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. And, well, we're going to take our deep dive in on the NH- the 2022 NHL draft that just went down in Montreal over the past couple of days. Uh, Rick, uh, <laughs> this, there was a lot that happened, wasn't there? There was. As, as happens, once uh, you get... Uh, all the GMs and and uh, and all the the um, front office personnel in one location, and and things happen at restaurants, things happen at bars, things happen on the draft floor, uh, and we saw an awful lot of activity um, during this week. So after weeks of speculation, the debate is over. The mystery has been solved, and the Montreal Canadiens have made their choice with the first overall pick. Hughes confirmed at the beginning of last week uh, that it was down to three players, and uh, who did they select? With our first pick in the 2022 NHL draft, the Canadiens de Montréal sont fiers de repêcher from the Slovakian national team and TPS Turku. Yuri Slavkovsky. So, Yuri Slavkovsky and and Ken Hughes uh, rather enthusiastically announced the pick in front of a packed Bell Center uh, on Thursday evening. Um, and uh, I I I I hope that our our listeners can can hear from that that. Um, they did not the, the 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 Canadians fans did not lift the roof the roof off the Bell Center as they did for Louis LeBlanc in in two thousand nine. Uh, it was a very mixed reaction uh, to the pick. Yeah, uh, Rocket Sports Media sent a group to uh, the draft here in Montreal. I, I was a part of that group, and uh, honestly, leading up to the draft, everyone was chanting Shane, 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 and it, it was a bit of a, a surprise. I still think that Shane Wright was the more popular pick. Uh, I think a lot more people were expecting him to go at number one, but in the last couple of weeks, and we have talked about this a little bit, a little bit on previous episodes, Uri Slavkovsky's stock has been rising, and uh, I... It, yeah, it was, a, it was a surprise pick. I still can't get over it. Uh, standing outside and watching the red carpet go by, uh, Slavkovsky goes by, and you know, a little bit of a cheer, sure. Shane Wright goes by, and the crowd absolutely erupted. Uh, so interesting that uh, Montreal uh, 
maybe went uh, against the grain a little bit in terms of what uh, people were expecting them to do. But uh, you know what? Uri Slavkovsky is uh, one good hockey hockey player. And uh, that that whole reaction, um, you know, there was a, a poll done, uh, and there was tens of thousands of respondents on uh, TV Aspor, and I believe the the final figure was something around eighty five percent of Habs fans uh, were on the Shane Wright train, and 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 why not? Uh, Shane Wright, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, an excellent uh, pick and, and a center who would have fit uh, well into what the Canadians want to do. Um, and and uh, I, I when, when he came out, as you said, he was signing autographs. He was, he had indicated uh, that he wanted to be a Montreal Canadian, that uh, he wanted to pull that Jersey on, that he wanted to play for these fans, that he wanted to be in that building. Um, and, and the fans absolutely embraced him. We, we know on the other hand that Slavkovsky was the pick of the Montreal media. The Montreal media were really banging the drum for Slavkovsky because, um, his, his, uh, the way he spoke that, that, uh, he was the one who was, and, and partly it's a language and a culture issue. The, the interesting quotes, the, 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 the phrases that he used to describe things, um, they had they had more interesting, more fun stories, uh, and the whole drama of of how, um, as you said, he was he his his stock grew as as uh, it got closer to the draft, um, and and Logan Cooley was kind of the he was we were told um, by uh, Kent Hughes still in the running as of as of Monday. Uh, and uh, a player they were considering, but uh, he had the the less uh, less of a cachet and less of a following, obviously. Um, so it was, yeah. Slavkovsky did did uh, was there some booze uh, when he walked the red carpet? Yeah, there was, and and I know that that um, there was a, a, a lot of negative reaction on Twitter saying, oh, you know, don't boo, boo the the poor eighteen year old. I don't think the the Canadians fans that I know and and um, they're not booing um, the player. They're not booing the teenager. They're they're expressing their preference uh, for who they wanted and trying to give some direction to uh, the Montreal Brain Trust. Um, but it, it was Yuri uh, Slavkovsky um, who, out of those discussions, and remember on on. Uh, it was Monday when that kind of bizarre uh, press conference um, held by Kent Hughes and and uh, Vinny LeCavalier was there, and they talked about how they really weren't um, set on a pick uh, just yet. That there were the they had not met um, in person with their entire scouting staff, um, and we know that as the days went on, there was debates and rather uh, vigorous debates within the Montreal Canadiens uh, front office about the um, who they should settle on, whether it's Slavkovsky or whether it was Wright. It was close. It was very close. And Wright had his proponents and so did Slavkovsky. In the end, uh, and this went right up until Thursday morning, um, we, we were told that by Nick Bobrov, uh, that that they debated this issue, 
um, and and didn't settle uh, until the morning of the draft, which is very unusual, but indica- uh, indicative of the fact that um, how close uh, these two players were, indicative how um, uh, of maybe the positions they play and and also um, the direction that that each might take them. Um, we're told that the the um, the final uh, the, the deciding factor was how um, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky played on 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 the big stage when when it mattered he performed didn't play well at all in his his league play uh, but when it really mattered he wanted the puck and he performed and that's what the the deciding factor was in making him um, a Montreal Canadian. Um, so it's uh, you know it's it's a big roll of the dice uh, on this pick, um, and uh, you know the fact that Shane Wright uh, was not picked until the fourth overall pick uh, by Seattle shouldn't be seen as as that uh, he was you know dismissed by two other teams. New Jersey was never going to pick Shane Wright. New Jersey doesn't need. Uh, uh, a Shane Wright. They wanted Slavkowski. They went with uh, the defenseman Nemich, and that fits their system. Arizona, uh, who knows what in the world they're doing, um, <laughs> really. Um, uh, but it's not a surprise that they went with the the American, um, and and to maybe the more dynamic uh, uh, player of the 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 three. Um, that's not a surprise. So um, Shane Wright shouldn't be seen in any less. Um, uh, you know, esteem uh, because he he fell to fourth. Uh, trust me, uh, the Canadians don't see it that way. It was touch and go right until the last moment who they were going to pick, right or Slavkovsky. I believe uh, we do have some audio coming from Ken Hughes uh, talking a little bit about Slavkovsky. When we talk about his character, his, his desire to, to be a difference maker, you see it. You see it in uh, in the way he plays. You see it when you speak to him. He's a very charismatic kid. Uh, you know, I try to think about being an 18 year old kid. Well, heck, he left at 15. You know, he left home, and I asked him if he lived in a dorm. He said no. And I said, so one of your parents moved with you. He said no. Then I said, how'd you cook? And he said, with a stove. Um, so um, he's very independent. He, he he's confident without being arrogant. And, and uh, we think this is a kid not only that has the, the mindset that we're looking for, but we also evaluate where he is in his game, what he has in terms of natural abilities and where he could be if we help him along in that process. So some might, might focus on that cute little anecdote that uh, Hughes told. Um, I wouldn't put too much, you better not put too much stock in it because if you asked any. Any player in the you know you're you're on your own. You're how did you cook? They'd say, well, I got recipes from my mom. I you know I did this, I did that. Uh, the reason that that's that answer came back and that people laugh is is because of the language, because of the culture. Uh, you know, it, it it's the way he interpreted the way your uh, your I interpreted that and responded um, is is seen as cute and funny. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's more about, about the language uh, uh, business. I think more importantly, um, focus on what, what Kent Hughes said there, uh, that, that Slavkovsky wants to be a difference maker. 
Um, you, you see from from his performances, and he wants the puck. Um, and in fact, um, a lot of times he doesn't make good use of his 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 game is rather immature. His game is very straight line. His game is immature. He 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 often takes the puck um, and doesn't necessarily make the right read. Uses line mates properly, and that's something you know. There's 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 positives and there's there's flaws with each of the top prospects, which made it very very close. Something that that. Uh, um, Adam Nicholas is going to have to be involved in and, and uh, something that some things that the Canadians coaching staff is going to have to involve themselves in to improve his game. But that's the important part, his will to um, be the kind of player who who wants to make a difference in big moments. Yeah, it was nice to hear Hughes address uh, what Slavkovsky's character is. He sounds like he is a pretty competitive guy. He sounds like he is someone that has the right mindset uh, for a high-end prospect. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. Uh, right now, I, I think we all know Slavkovsky. He's a power winger. He's got a big frame. He's got some skill. He's got a good shot. I think we're we want him to develop a little bit more is with his skating. That, that was something that mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like it's just not quite there yet, but you know what? He can still learn. And uh, it's really in the hands of the Montreal Canadians uh, on how they want to handle his development. Yeah, no, that's right. His, his skating isn't there. Um, his play without the puck isn't there. Um, he's, he's, um, he, he's a less uh, mature uh, and he has a less well-rounded game than than a Shane Wright. There's no question about that. Uh, but these are the things you know, with with each of the prospects. There would have been things to work on uh, with each of the top prospects. There would have been things to to work on. Um, the Canadians feel that with Slavkovsky, um, they they can cure the things that uh, he needs to improve. And, uh, well, Slavkovsky, uh, we have a little bit of audio from him uh, talking about hearing his name being called. Yeah, it's just an unbelievable moment for me, for my family, and for everyone who supports me, and also for the whole Slovak country. I, we needed something like this, and the, it's also a special night for me because uh, Shimon Emets was second, and that's, well, I didn't expect it. Uh, Shimon Nemitz uh, went number two overall to um, uh, the New Jersey Devils. So uh, Slovakia with one, two, um, and then 26 um, that we'll talk about in a minute. But a big night for uh, Slovak hockey. And, uh, you know, I think of of, of Miroslav uh, Shatan, who's uh, been uh, involved in that, and especially Craig Ramsey, um, who... Um, uh, his his long um, coaching career and relationship with Rick Dudley, both brilliant hockey minds, uh, and uh, um, Ramsey went over uh, to help the uh, Slovak program and has done a great job with their uh, younger players over there. Uh, so a special night personally uh, for um, Slavkovsky, but he he understands that that this was something that means a lot to uh, his country of origin. Yeah, and I will note as well, it, it did not take fans too, too long uh, to get 
behind uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a moment later in the night uh, where he took a walk uh, through the crowd in the, in the first level, and uh, people absolutely erupted with cheers. Uh, I think he's going to be a well-liked uh, Montreal Canadian going forward. And uh, like you said, a big night for uh, Slovakia as well. Uh, I did get a chance to see uh, Slavkovsky, uh, Nemitz, and uh, Mashar all go down and take a little photo shoot together uh, representing Slovakia. That's a big night. Uh, you don't necessarily uh, get to see that happen too often for uh I guess a, a country like that. Uh, normally, it's uh, quite often like you know your North American countries or your Swedes and whatnot. So nice to see a little bit of diversity there. For sure, um, hockey is a global game, and um, we're seeing uh, you know uh, draft picks, high draft picks, first round draft picks from all over. But for a tiny country like Slovakia. Uh, this was, uh, you know, the TVs were on um, and late in the, in the evening, and uh, this was a big, uh, a really big success for them. Yeah, one of the things uh, you mentioned earlier is that uh, Slavkovsky wants to be a difference maker, and uh, we got to hear a little bit uh, from um, Lapointe on that. First of all, uh, Uri, I mean, he's a pretty impressive kid, um, very uh, strong kid, uh, big. Uh, still has a lots of room to grow, and uh, he's very, uh, he's a kid that uh, you want to be around. He's got such a charisma, uh, he, uh, you want to be talking to him, you want to be around him, he's, uh, he's a, he wants to make a difference, um, and, and that's the way he plays the game, you know. Uh, here, in Montreal, I mean, he just loves it. He, he, he had a feel for it yesterday when all the fans were, were cheering on him. And uh, this guy, I mean, he's a hockey player, and he wants to get better. He's not perfect, but he wants to get better. And for me, that's, that, that's a hockey player. Marty Lapointe is rather soft-spoken. We've, we've sat with Marty during games uh, in the press box many, many times. Um, and just uh, before we get to his comments, interesting that um, Marty Lapointe, obviously from the previous regime, um, he didn't have a background in amateur scouting. Uh, he was uh, involved as an assistant to Mark Bergevin and and um, and and more on the pro pro scouting side. And and uh, uh, but given the the turnover, given uh, with Trevor Timmons leaving Shane Shirley before that, that there was uh, there wasn't the direction uh, when when Gorton and Hughes arrived. Um, and, and we also remember that that Mellonby uh, was was out of the organization. So that whole um, Marty Lapointe stepped in um, to uh, guide the amateur scouting department uh, with many many of the same scouts that uh, have been with the Canadians for a long period of time. And then Nick Bobrov, his association goes back to uh, Jeff Gordon in in the, the Rangers days. Um, and so we had kind of a two headed monster guiding. Uh, Bob Rov and, and LaPointe guiding the, the amateur uh, scouting department. Um, and you wonder how long that can survive. Uh, LaPointe said he's still got two years left in his contract, so he plans to be around in some capacity, whether he'll stay as is or not, we'll see. Uh, but it was a really interesting dynamic given 
this kind of draft where it was so wide open and when and where the staff had um, was was uh, was debating issues right up until the last moment. Um, his comments on Slavkovsky, I mean, if you call somebody a hockey player, for me, that's the that's the highest praise there is. When a hockey player says uh, that another uh, hockey player, that's what they they are best. That's that's high praise. But the fact that um, you want to be around him, you want to be talking to him. You, you he has charisma, uh, and he wants to make a difference. Uh, those are all very very positive comments um, by Marty uh, Lapointe. And and I, I should also mention that. Uh, there was that meeting uh, that was that happened, the final meeting, uh, where they just wanted to uh, be absolutely sure of meeting with Slavkovsky on Thursday morning. Uh, Jeff Molson even attended that that meeting, although he, he Slavkovsky said he wasn't, uh, he didn't ask any questions or wasn't involved. He was there as more of an, of an observer. Um, and and but uh, you know all of this th- this was really a difficult difficult decision, um, but it sounds now that all sides are are coalescing around Slavkovsky, as you said that the fans uh, are too, and and uh, I thought it was fun that Uri said uh, when he was asked about the the booze he said uh, that's that's fine that's fine with me this is a passionate um, this this tells me that they're passionate about hockey I'm passionate about hockey and maybe they'll like me someday was his quote and as you said uh, the Canadians fans turned rather quick most of them turned rather quick to embrace him yeah he seems to have this certain amount of marketability about him which you know what uh, that does have its own value and one of the other things that's kind of important when you're I picking like first overall is you want to be able to project out who's going to be the most impactful player for your team and uh, we have uh, some audio from Nick Bobrov uh, talking about uh, who uh, will be best in five years. We were still deliberating on Thursday morning so the decision was obviously not uh, an easy one and uh, uh, there are several uh, great players in in that area and uh, from different positions Um, so uh, the debates uh, were still ongoing, and uh, in the end, it's not what other kids didn't do; it's what uh, Uri managed to do, and uh, what he's done um, on big stages, um, and how he handled himself on some of the biggest stages in the world. Uh, for that age, that was extremely special. But uh, having said that, uh, the draft, as all of you know, it's all about projection uh, into the future and trying to find the best player available for the long-term benefit of, a, of an organization, of the Montreal Canadiens. So it is not about who is most ready to play today, tomorrow. It's uh, trying to find the best player some years from now who will be continuing to be the best player. And uh, we believe Uri is that person. Bit of a longer clip than we typically play, but I thought it was important uh, for you to hear exactly, um, you know, Bobrov, Nick Bobrov is a very thoughtful uh, person. His words are very deliberately chosen. 
Um, and I thought it was important to hear that entire clip, um, how he talked about that, that um, on Thursday morning they were debating. They were debating different players. They were de- debating uh, players from different positions. Um, did that include the defensemen as well? Maybe. Um, but that, that, um, that, you know, there, there was, there was all kinds of, of, with each of the selections, there would have been things to ignore, th- flaws, uh, in the game. And, and what the deciding factor was is, is okay, let's set aside your eyes, uh, regular season, but how did he perform? Um, uh, how did he p- perform in, in, uh, difficult situations? And, um, and, and when the stage was big and, and that's what the deciding factor uh, was uh, as well as it, it doesn't matter uh, who's the best player um, in year one. It doesn't matter who's the best player in year two. They're looking at and trying to project, which is a really difficult thing to do. Who's going to be the, the best player five years out? Um, and, and let's be honest that the Canadians aren't going to compete, uh, for the next few years anyway. Um, so it's about who's going to be able to develop and who's going to, who's going to be that player, um, that's going to cross the finish line five years out. Yeah. A great quote from, uh, Bavarov. I, I enjoyed listening to a lot of the things he had to say, uh, leading up to and after the draft. Uh, so we'll see on Slavkovsky. Uh, I, I think we both kind of alluded to it. This is going to be a big swing. We'll see if it's going to pay off or not, especially uh, with everything leading up to the draft with Shane Wright. I, I'm still having trouble processing this one, to be honest, Rick. <laughs> no, and understandably so. And, and so are our uh, fans. Um, and, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of, again, a lot of uh, fans flip and, and be very negative to Shane Wright. Um, let's not do that. Shane Wright is a good player and he would have been a good player had he been, uh, chosen by the, the Canadians, you know, the, you know, did he give a death star? Who cares? I, I don't, uh, you know, uh, isolating things and isolating moments. Um, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's, you're, you know, reading, reading into, um, the looks or, or maybe the words that people use afterward. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere near that. Um, Logan Cooley would have been a good player for the Montreal Canadiens. And as I said earlier, maybe the most dynamic offensive of the three of them. Um, who knows if, if Cutter Gauthier is going to, you know, five years from now, going to be the player that's the best player out of this draft. The, the issue was this draft was that close. There was no one who... Uh, was was uh, uh, you know the generational talent and and as we've talked about that's overused but there was no one who stood out head and shoulders amongst all the others which may and and they all brought different things to to the table which made it that much more difficult uh, Shane Wright good luck to him and um, I'll be following his his career with interest and I I hope and and wish all the best for him and you know. There, the, the draft is filled with fascinating stories. Fascinating story. Wayne Gretzky watched as the draft was unfolding and thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Shane Wright. Was able to get his phone number. And while Shane Wright was sitting in the stands uh, prior to him getting chosen at fourth by uh, Seattle, he got a call from Wayne Gretzky. 
uh, and said, uh, you're going to have a great career. Um, you know, d- don't worry about where you were drafted. Um, wh- what a, what a wonderful thing. What, what a great thing for, for Gretzky who knows what, what players are feeling. Um, uh, it, it just, again, great story. And, and, and let's, let's not be, uh, and I'm talking about the fans here, Canadians fans, Let's let's not be let's not follow some of the Montreal journalists who right away jumped on and, and started trashing uh, Shane Wright. Let's not do that. Let's let's not do that. And well, I'll, I'll paint a little picture of what went down. Obviously, I talked about uh, Slavkovsky going num- number one, bit of a surprise, but then people quickly turned and were very much in favor of it. At number two uh, was uh, Simon Nemich. Um, I, I think people had a gut feeling that uh, the New Jersey Devils were probably not going to go after a center here. So maybe a little bit of a surprise, but not too much. At number three, uh, Arizona Coyotes going with Logan Cooley. Like, like you said, Arizona is going to do Arizona things. <laughs> Logan Cooley's a great player. So, you know what? That's totally fine. But just before that uh, number four pick, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, there was a trade to be announced. And uh, Gary Bettman's on stage. He's getting booed. And he mentions, well, this trade has something to do with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. So immediately people start to listen up on the booing. And while that first trade that shocked me, Alexander Romanov and the number 98 pick, to the New York Islanders in exchange for number 13. But that wasn't it. I, I heard that, and I was in shock. I was like, okay, you know what? Rebuilding team, they acquired another first-round pick, number 13. That's pretty cool. All right. But uh, he goes on to announce that uh, Montreal flips out that 13th overall pick, plus the 66 to the Chicago Blackhawks to bring in Kirby Doc, a center, and... Uh, people lost it. Uh, I, I like, like I kind of mentioned in the first segment too. I, I sat there for like the next twenty picks, thinking like, what in the world just happened? And trying to figure out how the flipping of the picks got involved and how to like simplify this. But Montreal, they go after a guy that was formerly a number three overall pick. He has had nonstop injury problems. Uh, he could be a number one center, but th- this is gonna be uh, this is a home run swing. Either you're gonna get it or you're not. This uh, this could backfire, and Montreal could walk away with nothing and essentially give away a really good top four defenseman in Romanov and two other picks in exchange for virtually nothing, or they get a really good uh, potential number one center that could fit in with this group. Uh, I'll get your reaction on how this unfolded with you, Rick. Best phrase at a draft, any draft, we have a trade to announce. Absolutely. And the buzz starts immediately. Uh, the fact that um, Gary Bettman announced two trades at once and that they both involved the Montreal Canadiens was bizarre. But we've, we, talked about, we talked about it last week, um, how... Uh, we knew that uh, Kent Hughes had had wanted to make a splash. If you look on on the Montreal Canadiens uh, website and and uh, as far as what happened, they used that phrase. Kent Hughes made a splash. Uh, that was that was telegraphed 
Uh, and we heard from Bruce Garriock uh, that talked about how the Canadians had phoned everybody in that top 10. The Canadians were desperate for a second top 10 pick to make a splash. So when we got to um, that point in the draft, and as you said, um, Slavkovsky, uh, Nemec, uh, and then Cooley, and then Gary Batman uh, um, steps to the podium and talks about a trade, and Shane Wright is still in uh, the stands. I, as many fan, as many fans have, have uh, uh, texted and said they felt the same way. That somehow did my first thought. Did did Hughes pull it off? Did he pull it off? Is are the Canadians going to get Slavkovsky and Shane Wright? Uh, that was that was in my head, um, and and as unlikely as that was, uh, that's what the, you know they had been they had said how difficult the decision was, uh, the choice between them, that the fact that the Canadians needed a center and and a power winger, they needed both. Were they going to be able to do that? Um, so that that's that's how that all set up, you know, in a matter of seconds when you hear the the news. Um, and then I honest, honest, as, as you said, never predicted, um, what Gary would announce, um, next, um, the fact that the Canadians traded Alexander Romanoff, yeah, he wasn't on, uh, any radar and, and the Canadians went in, um, as I said, with a lot of assets, they had a ton of, of picks to use to, uh, help the help them move up. They had, um, you know, whether it's uh, the return on a on a petrie trade or on a. The, there was all kinds of talk about Josh Anderson uh, returning a first round pick. Uh, they had all kinds of assets. Not Alexander Romanov. Uh, that was kind of that was that was out of the blue. The fact that um, Hughes got. Uh, the number 13 pick from the Islanders for Alexander Romana. I thought that was a pretty good return. Personally, I thought that was, that was a pretty good return. Um, and maybe would have been happy if they, they ended right there. Um, but then, as you said, uh, packaging together uh, that, that newly acquired pick with the first, uh, the first pick, the Canadians first pick of the third round, uh, to Chicago and Chicago uh, two weeks ago had had said um, Kirby Doc is yours for the taking uh, and they let all teams uh, know that uh, but what they were looking for was a top 15 pick in the draft uh, Chicago um, as we talked about went in uh, to the without a first round pick they desperately wanted first round picks and to get Doc you're going to have to give them uh, a top uh, 15 pick. So the Canadians had to go out and get one uh, for Doc. Um, as far as Kirby Doc, um, uh, for those Canadians fans who are saying we landed a, a third pick overall, um, I just caution you. I, I, I would really, really caution you um, that he's not... Uh, He's, if there was a redraft done of that draft, Kirby Doc wouldn't be taken third overall. No. Um, th- I mean, that. I th- can we agree on that? <laughs> can we all, everyone agree on that? Um, that 2019 draft, 
he if if there's a redraft, he doesn't go third. Um, and and there was issues when Kirby Doc was was drafted. There were there were, um, you know, we're going to hear um, uh, Hughes and and that he wanted to get bigger down the middle. Uh, on four, and and does Kirby Doc, Doc have the size six four? Absolutely. Does he play like that? No, he doesn't. Um, and and as you said, he's he's had injury issues. He had a shoulder issue. Had a concussion. Uh, the the most devastating was his wrist in, uh, injury, um, and and he was supposed to come back uh, fully um, uh, healed and and ready to go last season and had a terrible season uh, again. Um, but whether whether it's those injury issues, he doesn't play big. He um, you know he used his size. Um, prior to getting to the to the NHL, he hasn't. Um, he's he's shied away from contact. He doesn't uh, go into the corners. He doesn't go into the dirty areas. Uh, that's something he, he's not playing big at all um, right now. Uh, that's something that's going to have to be uh, coached into him if the Canadians want him to uh, f- fill that role of of a a big player down the middle. Um, you know, he's, 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 his scoring has come in spurts at times. Um, where he's been effective uh, for Chicago is uh, on the defensive side and playing against the, um, the, the opposition's best uh, centers. Um, whether that takes some pressure off Suzuki, uh, who can then be more free to, to contribute to the offense. Um, all right. The, the issue with that is, and again, this may relate to his wrist. Uh, he has been dismal in, on, uh, face-offs. His face-off percentage is in the thirties, 30%. Uh, and of all players who have taken more than 300 face-offs, he was, at, he was dead last. Um, so that's something you're going to need, especially if you're deploying him defensively. Um, again, this what worries me about this pick is that, uh, and and we know from what uh, Ken Hughes said, this guy wasn't on their radar. This this wasn't a target uh, on their list saying, we want to go out and acquire Kirby Doc. Um, instead, it was flipped that once the Chicago Blackhawks said, um, listen, um, he's available. Uh, the, the wheels started in motion for the Montreal Canadiens. How can we use this player? How can we fit him in? How can we acquire him? And how can we fit him into uh, our long-term plan? Um, so chasing a trade like that is always dangerous, always dangerous. Uh, and again, a huge risk. This is, this is really rolling the dice um, on this move uh, that, uh, that, that Kirby Doc is going to reach his potential, which he has been nowhere close to doing so far. The good news is Kirby Doc is only 21 years old. Yep. So there is possibility that he can still be that uh, bona fide number one center. He's not that right now, unfortunately. And hey, maybe there's been some bad luck involved in this. Maybe it's not entirely his fault that that hasn't happened yet. I mean, Chicago has not had a very good team uh, the last few years either. But even just looking at his numbers, last season in 70 games, 9 goals, 17 assists, 
26 points total. That's nowhere near what you would expect. Well, what you would have expected Kirby Doc to do when he was drafted. No, you're absolutely right. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's, he, yeah, the Chicago, um, I, I understand that, that Chris, that, you know, they have not been a good team, but the Canadians right now aren't a good team either. Um, and um, I'd say that Kirby Doc was playing with some pretty darn good players. Um, yeah. uh, he, he was um, with Kane and it, it's, it's, um, and at times to bring it, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, he's going to have to make a, uh, a 180 change and, and, uh, and, and start to live up to uh, his, his pre-draft billing. I'd like to hear uh, from Kent Hughes on the Kirby Doc trade. We were looking to improve, get a little bigger, faster in the middle of the ice, uh, if we could. Um, there's also, in a perfect world, uh, a age component to it so that he can grow with, with our young core. And, and uh, certainly he, he fit that description for us. We knew that he was available, potentially. Um, and, and so we spent a good amount of time trying to understand who Kirby Doc was that went third pick overall, what's happened with Kirby Doc, um, why does Chicago want to, you know, why are they willing to move him? Obviously, they moved some other pretty good players too. They have whatever their plan is. It's not so much our business, but in relation to Kirby, we wanted to understand. We spoke to a lot of people in and around the city of Chicago associated with the team, uh, even to the extent of speaking to Justin Barron today who, who was with them at the World Juniors and, and uh, just make sure that we understood who the player was who the person was and uh, again like I've said it along like we're going to invest money in developing hockey players and trying to get the most out of their potential and we believe uh, Kirby has significant potential and we're hopeful that uh, with the Montreal Canadiens in this environment that we can we can bring him along and, and get him to a point where he's a pretty special centerman. I, I liked that Yes, he. They want to bring him to his potential, and we're going to invest in the development of players. I like that because the Canadians have not done that, um, and and with with uh, Adam Nicholas, um, remember he's not he's not there um, solely to deal with prospects. He's there to develop the game of every player on the roster, um, and and with the the coaching staff, if they can turn him around now. Um, Marty St. Louis, what we've seen so far is he's been able to get the best out of the players who are like him. Cole Caulfield, uh, Rem Pitlick. Can he get uh, the best out of a player who's nowhere near what what he's like and the kind of game he played? Can can Marty, you know, can 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 his message uh, translate well? Well, we'll we'll see. Um, I, I appreciate that, uh, Ken Hughes went and, and did a deep, uh, dive and, and they wanted to, to try to understand what has happened, what the reason was, why he hasn't lived up to, uh, why Kirby Doc hasn't lip, lip, lived up to his potential, uh, talk to Justin Barron, although, uh, in his, uh, media availability, Kirby Doc said he didn't know Justin, uh, Barron all that well. Um, that yes, they had been on the same team briefly for once, but um, didn't really know him. He did say, however, that he trains, uh, Kirby Doc trains with uh, Caden Gooley, um, which is not a bad thing. But th- this Kirby Doc is, is going to have to uh, kind of a reset his career and start again. Um, 
again, I appreciate that the Canadians are willing to do that, but um, this is this is a gamble. Yeah, uh, realistically, we're not going to know how this trade is going to look until at least a season or two. We're going to have to look back on this in a couple of years. But uh, there, there's that risk that Kirby Dog just ends up being a Colin White type in that here's a centerman that just never lived up to his potential, had some injuries, and now look, look at where Colin White is being bought out. And yeah, it's just it's such a big risk. And I kind of wonder too, because Kent Hughes alluded to the fact that this deal may have been in place before uh, the that first overall selection. I wonder if uh, Kent Hughes getting uh, a center like Kirby Doc, maybe if that had an impact on uh, what he did with that first overall selection. Uh, he was asked, and and um, you know, uh, Lapointe and Bobrov were asked, um, you know, what what kind of uh, impact did, did it have? They they claimed that that the two had nothing to do with each other. Um, that they they probably that they would have made the deal, uh, even if um, Shane Wright was the pick. Um, uh, I'm I'm not so sure, um, but uh, that's that's what we're. That's that's the message that they wanted out there anyway. That that this was a player that they wanted, uh, irregardless of of who they picked. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So we'll move along to uh, the twenty sixth uh, overall pick. This was the pick I thought that they would have maybe done something with, either mm-hmm. go after a player or use some of their uh, draft capital to move up a bit. They stayed pat at twenty six, and uh, they got somebody that they seem to like quite a bit in uh, Philippe Michard. Uh, I guess funny note is that uh, he was apparently a childhood friend of uh, Slavkovsky. Uh, I I doubt that that has any impact on what they did with that pick. He's a five foot ten winger. He's a little bit small, but very skilled, very very quick. I think I'm like a very creative player, like good skill, good skating player, fast player. But uh, I need to improve uh, my physicality a little bit, and uh, and maybe a little bit of defensive zone. But I think uh, I can do best like power plays and uh, creative plays. That's that's uh, stuff. The best stuff for me. So as you said, um, I guess it didn't hurt. Um, Nick Barbarov called it uh, divine providence. Uh, it had no bearing on the fact uh, that uh, you know Mishar and 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 Slavkovsky were uh, not only countrymates but childhood friends. Had been friends, close friends since the age of seven. Um, they you know, they vacationed together. Um, and, uh, and they were obviously very happy afterwards, uh, when, when they got together and, and actually, uh, Nemec, all three of the Slovaks, um, had quite an embrace. Um, as far of a, as far as a player, uh, yeah, size is an issue, uh, with this player. Um, but he is, he's very creative. He's, he, uh, creates offense, uh, in a number of different ways, um, he, he might be, um, one of the more difficult players to uh, evaluate because of his size, um, and, and because of his inconsistent, uh, play, um, you know, at one point he looks like he might be a top 15 player, another, another time, another viewing, another scouting viewing. Um, he's not even a first rounder. So again, this is, this is, um, uh, a player who, uh, the Canadians are taking a, a bit of a risk uh, on. 
Um, but they they seem to like uh, the potential here and the fact that uh, that he is he's smart, um, he's creative. Um, and we heard this over and over and over again from uh, Lapointe, and particularly uh, Bob Roff, uh, that that Mashar and others play the right way, whatever that means. Um, for for the Montreal Canadiens, they have it in their minds that uh, the, the the players they picked play the right way. I think uh, you mentioned this a few times uh, in other episodes as well. Once you get past uh, the 20s in this draft, the lines uh, start to gray a little bit. It's hard to tell uh, where certain players are going to end up going. But uh, it, I, I kind of like this uh, Michar pick. It, like you said, a little bit of a risk, but uh, I, I don't mind Montreal going after some skill and some speed here uh, with that uh, 26 overall pick. Yeah, there was a dividing line, and you can even see it when you you look at the, the rankings um about how they change from an A prospect to a B level prospect um, in in hockey prospects in and around the the early twenties, uh, Mishar is is listed as a as a, a B level prospect. We wondered if the Canadians would use all their use their draft assets to to move up. Um, you know, players that you and I talked about um, uh, while the draft was going on uh, that we like Owen Pickering. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, um, those those are still A level prospects. Um, so the Canadians decided not to do that, not to uh, ra- rather to, to go ahead and, and bring in a, a rather large draft class rather than um, uh, um, putting their their uh, uh, assets together and and in uh, trying to move up. And and you know that said, um, uh, Marty Lapointe said uh, that they tried to to move up. And in particular with, uh, you know, he was being asked about why the Canadians uh, didn't have a, uh, a Quebec-based uh, prospect, Anaheim did, uh, in the first round. And he, he said that they tried to move up but uh, couldn't find a dance partner. 11 picks total are uh, what happened at this draft. And uh, I'll, I'll take a second here to go through all of the other ones that we haven't mentioned quite yet. Starting off uh, with uh, the first pick in the second round, uh, number 33, Owen Beck. He's a center who played for uh, Mississauga. Skill does not match his production, but he's a strong skater and a playmaker. Uh, Might have been one of the better face-off guys in the OHL. Smart, smart, smart. Um, and they talked about how his um, his academics um and and scholastic awards um impact the way he plays on the ice uh and it's it's something that stood out and um you know they're hoping that um he may be a, a third line uh center in the NHL in the future and uh, not too long after that uh, still in the second round at uh, number 62 they went for uh, Lane Hudson a defenseman uh, for the USA U18 uh, development program very competitive, very good skater, uh, received uh, some Victor Mete comparisons. I don't want to get into that too much, but uh, solid uh, offensive defenseman, a good power play quarterback. Uh, he, some people had him projected to go much higher. So th- this, is a, this is a nice pick for Montreal. He was um, um, a prospect who fell out of the first round. And um, yeah, he... 5'8", um, 158 is, is what his, he was listed at. Again, a very, very smart player with uh, strong compete. Um, and 
the the difficulty here is that the scouts and the teams couldn't get past his his size. Um, you know, they said if uh, if he was uh, three inches, four inches uh, taller, if he was thirty pounds heavier, he might have been the number one defenseman in the draft. Now, those th- those things can't change. You can teach. You can't teach size. Um, so you know scout after scout after scout said we love him he's just too small this again the canadians this is a this was a a a roll of the of the dice uh that he can you know somehow um become a, a tory krug type of of defenseman um lane hudson said he likes to to uh follow adam fox um he's this this we'll see if if he's able to overcome such a big size deficit uh to be a a contributor for the canadians uh shorter players were kind of a theme throughout this draft a lot of these guys are under six feet um i think there were about two that were actually more than six feet we'll uh, we'll definitely get to those guys in a little bit but uh, in the third round, uh, the 66 pick, that was the one that was traded to Chicago in the Kirby Duck trade. So Montreal's next pick ended up being at number 75, uh, Vinens Rohrer uh, from the Ottawa 67s, a 5'10 uh, center uh, slash right wing. Uh, he was... Uh, he put up 48 points uh, with the 67, with the 67s. Very physical, uh, very good with the stick. Um, smart seems to be a theme here. Uh, he is uh, he was uh, regarded as one of the smartest players in the OHL. Um, he's he's Austrian and and comes from um, um, the hometown as as Marco Rossi. Um, and and but he's playing. Uh, he likes the the um, North American style game and 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 was playing for as you said uh, the Ottawa Sixty Sevens. Um, he's going to need to improve his his skating, um, but he's smart. His hockey sense have have carried him uh, so far. And um, uh, again, um, you know, I th- I think the Canadians picked um, uh, used eleven of their their fourteen picks going into this. A little that was a surprise for us, uh, but they're 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 drafting particular with uh, particular focus and it, and it seems to be uh, smart it seems to be those players who are going to compete um, but as you said um, it's size um, something that that Hughes said that they were going after in Slavkovsky when you get past Slavkovsky um, below six feet back Hudson Roar, Guindon, uh, Tourney, Mashar, uh, all below six feet. At six feet, uh, Davidson and Nurmi just at that cutoff, and and you know how uh, heightening goes, that they're probably not there. The only player really above that standard besides Slavkovsky is Engstrom. So um, a little bit interesting the way that the Canadians chose. Yeah, and with that uh, 92nd pick in the third round, uh, it was Adam Engstrin uh, from uh, Sweden, uh, six foot two. Uh, like you said, one of the rare big bodies that they went after. Yeah, he's um, kind of that reliable uh, left defenseman. Um, he's he's going to move from. Your garden had a tremendous uh, draft um, in 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 terms of the number of players that were s- selected from uh, their program. Uh, but he's off to Rogel. Um, 
next year. And that's of, of note because it's a good program. That's where Maurice Sider came f- through and uh, um, that the, the Canadians will be uh, interested to see how he progresses. So the next uh, pick that Montreal had uh, was uh, 98th in the fourth round. That was traded uh, to the New York Islanders in exchange for uh, Romanoff. Uh, so after that, it was uh, 127. Uh, Cedric uh, Guindon, left wing from Owen Sound, five foot ten, uh, 59 points in 68 games. Yeah, um, here this guy is. Um well, th- there's not a lot of creativity here. Um, uh, his skating is is uh, is an issue. He, his defensive game is 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 a work in progress. So there's a lot of th- and and I mean you got to understand that um, that that's what you're going to get at this stage in the in the draft. Uh, this what the scouts said about him is um, you know if I was managing an OHL team, I'd want him on my team but he's not likely to progress too much uh, further beyond that. And uh, Montreal really didn't like those fourth-round picks. Uh, the 128, they traded that to Vegas in exchange for a fourth-round pick in 2023. So that uh, takes us to the fifth round. They went after center Jared Davidson. Uh, he played for Seattle in the WHL. Offense, offense, offense. Very productive. Very productive uh, for the Thunderbirds. And... Uh, uh, in the playoffs as well, one of their big contributors, uh, as you said, offensive-minded player. And then in the sixth round, 162, Emmett Cruteau. Uh, he played for Waterloo in the USHL. Uh, probably the biggest uh, guy that they drafted outside of the first round at six foot four. Yeah, um, when I was talking about the the guys that didn't necessarily meet the standard, was talking about skaters. Uh, this uh, Emmett's a goaltender. Uh, Canadians got, a, uh, as they've done, uh, taken uh, a goaltender uh, in each um, of the last few drafts. Um, as he played in the USHL with the Waterloo Blackhawks, uh, next year he's committed to uh, Clarkson uh, in the NCAA Division One. Montreal uh, did come away with two seventh-round picks at uh, 194. They uh, went after uh, Paturi Nurmi, a defenseman uh, who played in Liga. And then at one, or sorry, 216, uh, they went after uh, Miguel Turingi. That's another uh, defenseman, 20 years old, so an overager. That's right. And, and um, you know, when you get down to this point, the, um, uh, the seventh round, 216th um, uh, for Miguel Turingi. Uh, maybe tossing a bone there um, and uh, a player who's an overager, a player who's been through the draft before and giving him the opportunity uh, of, uh, of, of the draft experience. So that were, that was all 11 picks plus a trade, all the drama that went down at the draft. Uh, I'll take a second here just to let uh, all our listeners know about uh, the experience we had uh, rocket sports media's group uh, that did go to the draft in Montreal uh, it was a pretty big group, a pretty lively group. Uh, we had some Habs fans. We had an Avs fan. We had even a Vegas fan with us. Didn't really matter. Everybody uh, liked hockey. Uh, we met up uh, just uh, in front of the Bell Center beforehand. Uh, we took a nice uh, group photo, which, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a nice one to have in the memory. It's not too often that you get to go see uh, Montreal uh, draft a first overall pick at home. So I'm happy to have that. Uh, some of us got to see these 
all uh, the top prospects and some of the, the members of other teams uh, walk the red carpet. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Shane Wright got the biggest applause. That was a really fun experience for us. And then uh, once we were in uh, at our seats uh, for the first round of the draft, very lively. Everyone was cheering and uh, booing Batman. I, I enjoyed booing Batman quite a bit personally. <laughs> One of my favorite parts. That's, uh, that's part of why you go there. But uh, lots of hockey discussion. Um, truly an amazing group. And uh, thanks to Rocket Sports Media and for everyone that got to come along with us. Uh, day two, uh, a little bit of an earlier day, was out uh, late uh, with the first round. Uh, I think that went almost until 11. I'm not used to being out on Thursdays, but uh, I made it in uh, for uh, rounds two through seven at the Bell Center uh, with the same group. Uh, we all got to sit together again and uh, watch all the drama unfold in uh, rounds two through seven. Uh, once again, really, uh, really nice experience. Uh, I was happy to be at the draft. I have not uh, had an opportunity to do that uh, in a while since it was back in uh, Ottawa a number of years ago. So quite the experience. And uh, thanks again to Rocket Sports and uh, for everyone who decided to come out with us. Well, we're really appreciative to the NHL. We've been ha- we've had this partnership around the draft. Uh, for a lot of years now, and uh, we've given opportunities to not only our own uh, Rocket Sports contributors, but given opportunities to uh, fans, Canadians fans, as well as as fans from uh, all around um, uh, the league. Uh, and it's it's I mean that's part of the the process uh, is is seeing how excited other f- fans are from other teams um, who. Um, are looking for uh, different picks for different experiences. And um, it's, it's uh, just something that's uh, special that we've done. And, uh, and we hope to, to be able to continue and do uh, rumored to be in Nashville uh, next year for the 2023 NHL entry draft. Uh, thanks, Michael, for uh, coordinating our, our group there. And um, everybody had a great time. Uh, we got some um, great memories. We've got some great pictures, um, and uh, for for Amy and in in her um, uh, work with the NHL to make sure that that uh, we maintain this this partnership each and and every year. Um, the draft is is unique. The draft is uh, everybody who is involved in hockey. Uh, is at the draft and whether it's uh, you know bumping into one of those those uh, newly drafted players uh, in the corridors whether it's uh, you know seeing all of the GMs and front office staff from all the other teams uh, or whether it's it's uh, seeing the reactions of the families of the draftees it's it's just a very very special uh, hockey experience. Uh, we're glad to be able to share it with uh, as many people as we can, and and particularly with uh, with our contributors. And I think it 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 helps us uh, understand uh, all the different components, all the different layers uh, of the draft. So it's not just uh, a name and a statistic uh, and and you know a checkbox that that they're now the. Um, whatever number draft they are, they're people, they have families, they have friends that are excited for them. And this has been the culmination of a, a lifetime of, of work and early mornings and, and uh, uh, family sacrifices for them to get to this point. Um, and, you know, as, as uh, I think it was Marty St. Louis said, this is only the start. Uh, and, and so, 
what a wonderful time for, for all of us uh, and for uh, those drafted. And for those, I'll just mention, uh, like Marty St. Louis, who weren't drafted, uh, the it, it's not over. Your, your career's not over. We, you know, it's something that I, I particularly watch is when we get into that seventh round and there's uh, prospects there who haven't been drafted and their families and they're obviously disappointed. Um, never, ever, ever, ever give up uh, that you can still make your dream happen. Yeah, that's very well put. And uh, uh, special congratulations to all those who did get drafted. Uh, that That's going to be an amazing memory to have for the rest of your life and the beginning of your career. And like you said, too, even if you weren't drafted, it's not over. Keep going. Uh, we'll, we have your back. Absolutely. <laughs> so, before we head off into our Have Your Say segment, uh, do you have any uh, final comments on the draft or any uh, draft grades that you wanted to give to the Canadians? Well, listen, uh, hard to give a, a, a draft grades. I, th- I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of silly. I think that the Canadians, um, they were going to come out of this no matter if they chose Wright, Cooley, or Slavkovsky. They're going to come out with a player that was going to uh, change the direction of the franchise. In different ways, certainly, but we're going to have a major impact. Uh, the um, Kent Hughes has cast his die uh, with Slavkovsky, uh, a little bit more risky with with uh, Kirby Doc, uh, and now the the direction has been set in motion. And uh, I think Canadians fans should be excited about what's coming. Uh, there's going to be lots of of activity over the the summer in terms of we didn't, as we said, we didn't see. Uh, them clean up any of the issues that they have with uh, with cap space or contracts. Uh, we know they have to do that, and so they're you know you might as well subscribe now uh, to the podcast because there's going to be a lot of uh, fireworks yet to come. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, all our listeners and uh, what Habs fans have to say about uh, this draft. So I think now is a great time to take our final break on Canadians Connection. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 199 of Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit the website canadiansconnection.com. Feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853-ROCKET. And uh, that that was a pretty uh, lengthy uh, segment too, uh, going over everything that happened at the draft, wasn't it? Well, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a busy week. It was a busy couple of days at the draft. Lots to uh, really get into there, and um, and 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 present the context of what happened. And uh, now, uh, as you've consumed that, as you've listened to that, uh, we want uh, your feedback as we moved into the have your say segment. Yeah, but first, uh, just in case uh, you missed out on any of the things that happened uh, leading up to the draft or anything Montreal Canadiens in the last little while, uh, just want to remind you all to head over to All Habs Hockey Magazine at allhabs.net. Weekly, we have our Habs notepad, we have our Habs headline, and uh, just this past week, we also put up our All Habs draft tracker. So if you missed anything and you want to go back and review, uh, you can go and check that out. That has all the, the picks from the first round from all teams. And then it has the, the choices by the Montreal Canadiens uh, from all rounds. So if you need a quick reference, that's the place to go. Yeah, there are 11 picks uh, that Montreal took in that draft. And if you're looking for a little reaction uh, about that uh, draft that went down, you can head over to YouTube, head over to the All Habs Hockey Magazine YouTube page and check out Habs Hockey Report. We got a special extra episode this week. Normally episodes come out uh, every single Thursday, but this week uh, we were gifted an extra one just to do an NHL draft review. Very special episode. Uh, Amy Johnson uh, hosts that and uh, she goes through everything that happened. We got uh, two episodes, uh, Thursday and Friday, uh, post-draft, another episode dropped. So head to uh, youtube.com slash allhabs, as many, many have already done. uh, And not only watch that episode, but have commented on that episode. Uh, The comments are filling up and Canadians fans have lots to say. And uh, make sure uh, you leave a comment there. Uh, Amy has, uh, well, she takes the time to go through each one. uh, She'll respond. Sometimes she even reads it on the next episode. So make sure you do that. Subscribe, like, uh, hit all the buttons. And I also want to remind everybody about uh, our Rocket Sports radio podcast. You are listening to Canadians Connection, and we will be here every Saturday throughout the summer. We'll keep you up to date on all the news stories uh, coming out about the Montreal Canadiens, and it will be a wild off season. So make sure you subscribe. You'll also want to head over to the press zone and uh, subscribe to that as well. We keep you up to date uh, on everything that has to do with the Montreal Canadiens prospects and Laval rocket on next week's episode. The press zone podcast features Amy, Rick and Patrick for the amazing AHL hot stove. 
And we're going to have uh, news from Development Camp as well. So um, that episode uh, of the Press Zone, a brand new one, comes out on Tuesday. Uh, be sure to listen and then subscribe. So I'm going to start uh, things off here. We're uh, going to bring back a popular uh, segment that we used to do on uh, the Canadians Connection podcast called Where Are They Now? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the 2009 NHL entry draft and how it uh, kind of relates to what went down this past week. So in 2009, uh, and that was the last time, obviously, the, um, the draft was held uh, in Montreal. Um, and that was the first time uh, for uh, Rocket, Rocket Sports that we entered into a partnership uh, with uh, the NHL and we brought uh, 50 people to Montreal uh, for an amazing draft weekend. And, and uh, uh, it, you know, there wasn't the COVID restrictions uh, uh, then. And so we had a whole weekend of events included uh and we had we had fans from uh i think every uh, uh team uh from all over the the u.s and canada and we had a u.s canada ball hockey tournament at at uh, mcgill we had all kinds of events and it was very memorable um as far as the um proceeds from the draft itself for the montreal canadians not so good um and i i'll never forget um I had Chris Kreider on my mind, uh, given that the Canadians, where they picked at, at number 18, and that was the pick that Jeff Molson, having uh, just just uh, uh, negotiated the purchase, uh, the, uh, the repurchase of, of the Canadians for the Molson family, had put his finger on the scale and demanded uh, that, uh, that uh, the, the staff pick uh, a homegrown prospect because he wanted that he wanted that splash then, um, and it was Louis LeBlanc who um, work ethic was an issue and and that was an absolute uh, bust of a pick. Uh, Chris Kreider going uh, the very next pick to the New York Rangers uh, and has had a, a great career, although he's um, you know hated in in Montreal because of what he did to to Carey Price. Uh, but a 40-goal um, season last season, uh, not too shabby. Um, draft decisions have consequences. Uh, but as you look down and you go down to the third round, uh, the Canadians had two third-round picks. They picked Eunice Nattenen, uh with their pick number 70, uh, 65, and then with their pick number 79, they picked a defenseman uh, from Hotchkiss uh, in Connecticut uh, by the name of Matt Bennett. Uh, Matt Bennett. Um, a really likable guy. Um, and he went on to um, uh, the University of Michigan um, and uh, had a, a four-year NCAA career and, and uh, uh, was uh, partnered with uh, Greg Patteron, uh, the two of them, you remember Greg Patteron, um, at, the, at uh, the University of Michigan. And, and he went on to have a letter on his jersey as an uh, alternate captain and then a captain. Um, and let, from there, um, never did get into a, a, a contest for the Montreal Canadiens, but had two years with the AHL affiliate, first with the Hamilton Bulldogs and then with the St. John's Ice Caps. Why am I spending so much time talking about Mac Bennett? Uh, why? Why, Michael? Why am I doing that? Well, because this is where are they now? Um, and after um, Mac, Mac Bennett was very smart, um, and he, he uh, 
um, had a, a, a very successful scholastic career, got his degree from, from Michigan. Uh, and when hockey, it turned out that hockey wasn't going to be the thing for him. Um, his, his, his buddies um, at the University of Michigan, um, they all got together. Um, um, Mac Bennett was uh, a bit of a marketer. Um, and they got together and they, they uh, decided to solve a problem. And the problem was that um, for uh, hockey players, um, they were expected to wear suits to a game, except that um, suits were old and stodgy and for businessmen and they didn't quite fit the athletes all that well. So they came up with a clothing line that fit athletes um, and that had kind of a a, a, a spandex polyester uh, blend uh, so that they moved and, and stretched with athletes. They called their company State and Liberty. Um, and Mac Bennett uh, was the vice president of marketing for this startup company, this new company that catered to uh, at, uh, the dress wear of, of athletes. Fast forward to the 2022 draft. And we saw the front office, the hockey operations folks, and the management, the ownership of the Arizona Coyotes wearing matching suits, these blue, these blueberry-colored suits. They were all outfitted in them. Who supplied those, those suits? State and Liberty. Now, Mac, De- Mac Bennett's no longer with that company. He's, uh, he's into consulting. But we just thought it was, or I just thought it was a, a nice tie-in uh, from the 2009 draft to the 2022 draft in Montreal that uh, a Montreal um, Canadians prospect had uh, an impact on the current draft. Uh, just so the listeners know, I was not provided a whole lot of context for this particular <laughs> segment, so I had no idea where that was going. But yeah, that, that's kind of a funny little tidbit that uh, we get into there. And honestly, I, I found it hilarious looking down at uh, the Arizona table <laughs> and all just in the exact same suits. Uh, it, it was amazing. You know, I, I do have some respect for it, but it was quite funny. And uh, who knew that uh, there was going to be a whole other Canadians connection to that? We love Canadians connections here. We love stories. We love connections. Uh, and, and this was uh, a, an amusing one. Um, th- the suits absolutely stood out. What, what uh, was amazing to me was the lining on those suits had the coyotes head uh, on the lining, uh, all specially made. Um, and um, when asking um, the owner and, and the GM, they all said uh, absolutely the most comfortable suit that they had ever worn. So um, we're, we have no as, uh, uh, association, but uh, if you're in the market for that kind of gear, the uh, provider is State and Liberty. And uh, surprisingly enough, uh, this does tie in very, very well with our it Canadians does. Connection question of the week. So the question here is, uh, what was the most memorable moment of the 2022 NHL entry draft? We have some options for you. First and foremost, uh, Gary Bettman being booed mercilessly. It's probably the one for me. I like it. Uh, I like it. I like it too. And I I don't like how Gary, in 2009, he he, he linked arms with a couple of Canadians legends. Um, Yvonne Cornway was one to try and shield himself from the boos. This time it was... Uh, the grieving families, uh, Lafleur family, Martin Lafleur, and and uh, um, and the Bossy family. Uh, I, I, he deserves the booze. Let let them happen. Uh, and at one point, he said, "I don't understand why you're booing." 
Um, but it was it was a tradition, and it's always a fun moment. My favorite part of the draft always. Uh, option number two, Yuri uh, Slavkovsky embracing with his childhood friend, uh, Philippe Michard. The photos from that were were beautiful, were fun, were, um, and and obviously uh, Mashar is is uh, uh, much more a small smaller version. So when he when uh, uh, Slavkovsky picked him up, it looked like he was picking up a child. It was it was uh, a wonderful moment. Uh, option uh, number three is, uh, well, yours truly, Arizona Coyotes front office wearing matching suits. <laughs> the blueberry suits. There's got to be some people out there that we're voting for uh, the fashion side. And well, speaking of fashion, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning prospect Isaac Howard with a bold fashion choice. I, I I have a lot of respect for what he wore. That looked pretty good. Absolutely. You have to have a lot of confidence to pull that off. Um the white suit, the mock turtleneck, uh, the gold chain, and the USA belt buckle. Um, listen, um, Al Murray is is one of my favorite guys in hockey. I love every chance that I get to sit with Al Murray at a game. Um, smart, smart, smart scout for um, the Lightning, and obviously he's been very successful. And if he thinks Isaac Howard is a good pick, uh, I'm on board. And our final option is uh, parents of Coyotes prospect uh, Maverick Lamaru. A bit, a bit of a weird uh, close-up uh, of his parents when he was getting drafted. Uh, this was cringeworthy, and and the fact that the the broadcasters uh, embraced this moment, uh, so to speak, and and uh, made such a big deal. His pr- parents uh, <laughs> celebrating rather amorously, and and um, yeah, uh, but it was one of the most talked about moments other than the picks of the draft. So those are all of the options we're providing with you. Uh, head over to our All Habs uh, Facebook page and uh, make sure you let us know what you think. Facebook.com slash All Habs. We're always uh, happy to hear you. There's uh, uh, there's this question. There's all kinds of questions on whether the Canadians chose wisely. And there's uh, graphics for each one of the draft picks uh, in case you need a refresher. We have a few uh, upcoming important dates uh, next week. On uh, July the 10th, it's Canadians Development Camp. It's going to begin that day, and uh, like we mentioned, we will have you covered uh, with everything going on there. Yeah, as we've said, uh, not a lot of information um, so far. Um, As we've been on uh, the air uh, that the Canadians have released, uh, finally, uh, the roster of uh, that uh, development camp, um, it will start on Sunday, July 10th. Uh, but as I said, those are testing sessions. So the on-ice sessions that are open to the public um, will s- start on Monday, July 11th. If you're in the Brossard area, um, you know where um, where uh, the, the Bell Sports Complex is there. Um, that the on-ice sessions will start on Monday at 12 p- uh, 12.15 p.m., uh, Eastern. And uh, once we're off the air, we'll get the rosters for that development camp up at um, allhabs.net. 
And finally, on uh, July the 13th, uh, the moment uh, maybe some of us have been waiting for all year, it's free agency day starting at noon Eastern. Uh, So once again, we'll uh, have you up to date uh, on our social media with everything that goes on and if uh, the Habs make any signings. If the Habs make any signings or if they make any trades, there's going to be uh, the Canadians won't be involved with the big uh, name uh, signings. They just don't have the cap to do that. And they're not at the stage in the development process to be bringing in those kinds of players. But there are going to be uh, a lot of um, uh, players, uh, sorry, a lot of teams chasing the same player. And if uh, they're the runner up, if they're the loser, if they don't get the player that they want, then maybe uh, a substitute will be a Jeff Petrie. Maybe a substitute will be a Josh Anderson or a Christian Dvorak or Mike Hoffman, and uh, maybe those failed opportunities for other teams provide opportunities for um, uh, Kent Hughes to uh, start moving some players. So there'll be both free agency action as well as uh, some trades we expect this week. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player or on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you also share on social media. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, July the 16th for another great episode. And thank you once again for listening to Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.